0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at Joe Orrico 99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Make sure you guys are following us over there. That's where you get all of our new podcasts, articles, news and notes, every bit of fantasy baseball content that we have planned for you this season. There's a ton of stuff in the works, so make sure you guys are keeping up over there. If you're not somebody who uses social media, sportsethos.com is the place to be checking out. You get all of our content across all the major sports. We have DFS. We have gambling. We got team coverage. A lot of stuff for you guys to be checking out over there. Now, today we're going to be doing our first mock draft of the season, going to be trying to do about one a week or so. There might be weeks where we miss one because we're busy or weeks where we might end up doing two. But we're going to start to get into the rhythm of doing regular mock drafts, trying to test out some different builds from some different draft positions and just see what we are liking and not liking across the board here. We're using the Fantasy Pros Draft Wizard, which is a really good tool for you guys to use if you're not familiar with it. Uh, You go to Fantasy Pros. You don't need any kind of subscription or anything. You can just go to the website, draftwizard.fantasypros.com, and you can set up, as you can see on the screen here, all the different customizations. If you're a premium member, I am a premium member because I participate in the Fantasy Pros rankings, so I'm able to do some extra customizations like league eligibility rules and cheat sheets and things like that. But you don't need any of that fancy stuff to be able to get in here and do mock drafts. You can set it up. For two catcher, you can set it up for zero catcher. You can do an only pitcher draft if you wanted to. You could really just do whatever you want in terms of mock drafts. So there's a lot you can do. Uh, It's a lot of fun as well. You can go in and you can do a draft in like five minutes, ten minutes, and you can just keep banging them out and just trying to see what builds you like. So we're going to be doing one today. It's going to be Yahoo style. I know we've been talking a lot about the NFBC, and that's kind of been the only ADP we've had to go on. But we are going to start to talk about some of the different platforms now that they are going to start to open up. I think it'll be about a week or two until Yahoo is open and then the floodgates will kind of just open up. But today we're going to be doing a Yahoo style draft. So one catcher, one first baseman, one second baseman, one shortstop and one third baseman. There are no corner or middle infield spots, three outfielders, two utility spots. And then we have two starting pitchers, two relief pitchers and then four miscellaneous pitchers of any kind. To round out the starting roster also we're going to be using a five-man bench so this one shouldn't take too too long but I do want to start to explore these more shallow formats because the drafts that I've done on stream the ADP that I've mentioned the players that I've talked about a lot we're more talking about it from an NFBC lens and two catchers are going to mess up with the way you're drafting 15 team versus 12 team uh, gladiators versus draft champions there's all kinds of different stuff but we're going to start to simplify it here by just talking about a yahoo build and we're going to be using yahoo eligibility rules so this is going to look fairly similar to what your yahoo drafts will probably be looking like once you guys get going in the next few weeks but we are going to get going we're going to start the draft here and we are going to see what the board does give us and nothing too surprising off the top ronald acuna number one julio number two mookie at three Bobby Witt at four, Corbin Carroll at five. I am drafting here at pick number six. I'm right in the middle of the draft here. And I think there's a couple ways you can go from this general, you know, middle of the pack pick in a 12 team league. Obviously, you're trying to secure five categories. And that's probably what you're trying to do across the entire first round. But at this point, you can actually still do that with a guy like a Kyle Tucker, who is going to give you literally five category production. Good batting average, 30-30 threat, great lineup. He's probably the guy that you should be going with here. I can also make the argument that Freddie Freeman is a really good pick as well. Freddie Freeman, we've talked about him a lot this offseason. Very stable. He boosted his stolen bases. His batting average is very, very secure. The lineup added Otani to it. It's hard to pass up Freddie Freeman, but I think I am going to go with Kyle Tucker here and get a bit of a higher floor with stolen bases while also getting, you know, very similar power. I'm giving up a little bit of batting average in terms of stolen bases here, but I think the Kyle Tucker is, you know, it's, it's a coin flip for me, but I think I'm going to take Kyle Tucker in this one, get rid of one of those outfielders early. It's only three outfielders. So it's not like a dire situation where you need to fill five like NFBC leagues, but I am going to take care of one of these outfielder spots and take Kyle Tucker here in the middle of the first round. I don't have any problem with a few of the guys who go in that range. And right after I took Kyle Tucker, it went Freeman, Tatis, Strider, Juan Soto, Matt Olson, and Aaron Judge. Once you're getting past, I would say Strider, you know, that ninth player off the board. That's where I don't like those guys as much. The Sotos, the Olsons, the Judges, they're not giving you the speed that you're getting from the rest of the first round. So that's where I see a little bit of a drop off coming. That's how round one finishes up. Start off round two. Corbin Burns, Jose Ramirez, Corey Seager, Trey Turner, Garrett Cole, and Bryce Harper. Now, I went the route where I took speed in round one. I'm now able to go a route where I don't necessarily need to just be trying to add stolen bases. Because let's say in round one, you do go with a Freddie Freeman, or you do take an Aaron Judge. You take a Juan Soto. You're not as secure in the speed that you're going to be getting from You know, from your team there. So you do kind of need to compensate for that as you go on down the draft. Now, taking a guy in the first round that I think is probably a 30 stolen base guy means that I can take some chances in terms of speed a little bit. And I think I can go for a guy like his teammate in Jordan Alvarez, who is what the, the technology is recommending to me at this point. Because I don't really, I'm not desperate for speed. You can kind of make it up a little bit later on. And in the second round, I think you're still in the best player available kind of mentality for the most part. There are certain situations where you kind of need to take a category in round two to offset round one. But I think in this case, Jordan Alvarez makes a lot of sense. You get that kind of stack, which I know is more of a popular DFS thing. But even for season-long fantasy, a lot of the time Jordan hits a home run, Kyle Tucker is going to be scoring and vice versa. So those guys are going to play off of each other a lot. And I think, honestly, Jordan Alvarez is a pretty decent pairing with Tucker, regardless of team. So he's the guy I'm going to go with here in round two. Pretty happy to get rid of another outfielder because he is outfield eligible. Um, I think, honestly, it depends on your format. I think he's outfield eligible everywhere, though, honestly. I don't think he's going to be util anywhere. I think you will have that across all the formats. Now, rounding out second the second round here was Austin Riley, Raphael Devers, Marcus Semyon, my guy Kevin Gosman, and then Pete Alonzo. Starting off round three. We got Francisco Lindor, Vladimir Guerrero. We have Luis Robert, Ozzy Albies, and Gunnar Henderson. Now, I'm in a pretty stable place for my position players. I think at this point, I can probably start to think about my SP1, start to look at some relief pitching options. We still have all the elite relief pitching options. They haven't started to go off the board yet probably by next round that's when they are going to start to go and you can usually see those guys go in kind of a run once one of these relievers is taken three four five up to maybe 10 of them could be taken over a span of about 20 picks because people do want to get their first closer they don't want to be missing out i think for right now i don't need to be starting that run and honestly i just noticed that shohei otani is still somehow on the board here that's kind of curious that he's made it to the middle of round three And this is based off of the Fantasy Pro's expert consensus rankings that I mentioned earlier. That is what the technology is drafting off of. So maybe some people have him a little bit lower down in terms of their rankings. And he has gotten pushed down because of that. He's his utility only. But at this point in the third round, I'm going to have to take Shohei Otani. Uh, I, I was thinking pitcher, but he should not really be sitting here in round three and I'm not going to be passing up that value. He should be a top 10 pick. Um, I, I think that realistically speaking, you could even push him up to like top five if you wanted to get crazy with it. And it's not even that crazy. If you just look at the value he has solely as a batter, I can't believe he's still there, but I'll take him every time. If he is sitting there in round three, Zach Wheeler, Luis Castillo, Ellie De La Cruz, Manny Machado, Michael Harris, and George Kirby round out the third round. Starting off round four, Yamamoto, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, followed by Randy Rosarena, Pablo Lopez, CJ Abrams, Jose Altuve, and Adelise Garcia. No real big surprises. A couple of guys that I like more than others. Obviously, you guys know I'm not a big CJ Abrams fan. I don't see any reason for him to be going ahead of Jose Altuve, especially considering that shortstop is a little bit deeper than second base, generally speaking. Now, let's take a look at the starting pitchers we have available, and there are still some bona fide aces on the board. Zach Allen, Tyler Glass now. Nola is a little bit trickier depending on how you uh how you want to look at it exactly it's tricky this is kind of tricky at this point because i probably should take a starting pitcher but i'm somebody who generally kind of waits on starting pitchers so these are the guys you can see on the screen there uh, if you're watching on the podcast side i would recommend coming over to the youtube it does make it uh, a little bit easier for you guys to follow along but in any event the starting pitchers that are available are Gallon, Glass, Now, Nola, Peralta, Freed, Framer, Valdez. I'm not totally in love with Gallon. I think there's risk with Glass. Now there's risk with Scoobel and Nola. Those are the guys that are likely going to be going off the board next. I think I can probably wait another round on starting pitcher and honestly take care of one of the one of my relievers. And if I can get, you know, I can go for Devin Williams. I can go for probably the cream of the crop this year uh, at the position. I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to take care of it. I've got a really solid offensive base. I don't love the starting pitchers in this range. So I will take Devin Williams and I will lock down my closer and we'll see if I start any kind of run here. Uh, another only one other closer goes after I take Williams. So it goes Zach Gallen at four Oh eight followed by glass. Now Paul Goldschmidt, Bo Bichette, and Cody Bellinger to start round five. Emmanuel Classe, Mike Trout, Royce Lewis, Nolan Jones and Matt McLean. Now, the top of the board here for me at this point, Tariq Skubal, Aaron Nola, Freddie Peralta, Max Fried. still a lot of those players uh, that I was talking about last time are still on the board here. So I, I think I'm probably going to take a starting pitcher and not let it go any farther down. But honest, honestly, just looking at it, maybe I won't. There's still so much value on the board at SP. There's only been 10 guys that have gone off the board here in the first 53 picks, which is not something that you're usually going to see. And this is why, you know, different technologies open up their drafting, you know, systems. And you're going to see some differences to what we have usually seen at this point. Freddie Peralta is usually not there still at pick 54. I could argue that he's maybe not going to be there next time. I could, I could take a chance on Freddie Peralta. I could double up closers and go for Josh Hader. I could get my catcher in Rutschman, but I think it's too early for Rutchman in a one catcher league. I think I will go for Freddy Peralta. The more I think about it, not that I'm so in love with him, but I getting a good strikeout base, you know, I, I think that he is probably the highest upside strikeout guy that I have left on the board here that I'm actually fairly confident in. Let's do it. Let's take Freddy Peralta here in round five. First starting pitcher. I don't love it necessarily, but I think it's fine. I, I don't think I'm missing out on anything. I don't think that it's a bad pick. Uh, I'm getting good strikeouts. A guy who was one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball down the stretch. I don't know if he's going to maintain that level of dominance, but I think it's still a pretty solid pick here in the middle of the 50s to take Freddie Peralta. After him, it's Aaron Nola, Edwin Diaz, Josh Hader. Spencer Steer goes off the board in round five. First very big surprise for me there. Tariq Skubel and Kyle Schwarber rounding out the rest of round five. Round six, we got Christian Yelich, Max Fried, Adley Rutschman, Camilo Doval, Juan Duran, and JT Real Muto. Now, I think at this point I can take a Logan Webb as my second starting pitcher, somebody that I am very high on this year. He's not a massive strikeout guy, but you know he's decent enough strikeout-wise to go along with the decent win potential, where those ratios are probably going to be able to be enough uh, for it to justify the draft price. He's not going to be... 200 strikeout type of guy unless he gets there on a volume standpoint, unless he's throwing 210 or so innings, which he can do. I think he's just a really solid upside and base in terms of his ratios. He's a guy who could, I think, very easily give you a sub three ERA. He could give you like a 1.10, 1. you know, 1.12 kind of whip area. And I think that he makes a lot of sense to pair with Freddie Peralta because I think he's a lot safer. So the combination of the two of them, more strikeouts, a little bit more volatility for Peralta. I think the two of them do make a pretty good pairing here uh, round five and round six. So Logan Webb is off the board at 607. And I think that honestly, I'm going to have a lot of Logan Webb this year. The more drafts that I've been doing took him the other night in that gladiator draft that I did. And honestly, I think I'm going to have quite a few shares. Um, after Logan Webb, it's Jazz Chisholm. We got Blake Snell, Framber Valdez, Nico Horner, and Kodai Singa. Jordan Romano, Alex Bregman, Logan Gilbert, Josh Lowe, and O'Neill Cruz start off round seven. I am up again here at pick 78 overall. I feel pretty good about my team. If I'm just looking at the roster construction, you guys watching on the screen can see on the left side there. I have two outfielders. I have my utility spot in Otani, my two starting pitchers, or my two first two starting pitchers, and then Devin Williams as my closer. Now at this point you start to look at the individual positions see who's still there because I'm honestly still kind of exploring this with you guys. I'm not sure who is going to be available in given rounds. It's it's still kind of a mystery to me because these boards are just brand new uh, open at this point. Evan Carter is a very, very overvalued, I think, at this point. ECR of 92, that's his expert consensus ranking. I think he's probably going to disappoint some people there. I'm not 100% sure that he's going to get an everyday role. They also got Wyatt Langford that they're going to be thinking about. I don't know that Evan Carter makes sense as a top 100 pick here. Now, honestly, I think Nolan Arenado is kind of where I'm leaning at this point. Sometimes you can get him a little bit later than this, and maybe I can. The ECR is 99 on him, so I don't necessarily need to be taking him right now. But I think I'm going to have quite a bit of Arenado as well. Could go for a third starting pitcher. Could go for a second um, closer, and I think I might go for a second closer here. That's a position that is going to start to dry up pretty quickly. We have the first eight names off the board um, in terms of relief pitcher, and that is factoring in Spencer Strider in there as well. Um, the way that they've mixed eligibility here. But I think Ryzel Iglesias is probably my guy. If you just look back every single year, super, super consistent, ERA under three, pretty much every single season of his career. I don't have any problem taking the closer for arguably the best team in baseball here as my number two closer. I think my team is very well-rounded at this point. Going to start to hammer some position players now, but I think my pitching staff is a really, really solid base to it. Let's take a look at who we have left on the board here. I need my whole infield, catcher first, second, and third and short. We need everything in terms of the infield. Tristan Cassis looking pretty nice. Uh, ECR of 83 is pretty high. I don't know that he should be going at 83. I think he's somebody that should be just outside of the top 100. I understand the excitement and the hype. That does feel a little bit high to me. Nolan Arenado still sitting here. And I think I am going to go ahead and take him. I don't know that he'll be sitting there next round. I'm getting probably 30 home runs. I'm getting close to 100 runs and 100 ribbies with a pretty solid batting average. At this point, you start to see batting average dry up a little bit. If I'm able to get 260, 270 with everything else I expect from Arenado, I think I'm going to be pretty happily taking that. So he is who I'm going to go with in round eight. Love Arenado this year. I think that he is very much undervalued. Uh, People really just truly, you know, in fantasy baseball, fantasy sports, it's what have you done for me lately and what have you done for me lately for Arenado is the first real down year of his career, the first year where he didn't win a gold glove. So people have pushed him down 30, 40 spots thinking that we're seeing decline, but we're still seeing a really great lineup in St. Louis. It was not their lineup last year. I've said this a million times. I feel like I'm hitting myself over the head at this point, but it wasn't their offense. It was their pitching that was so terrible. Offensively speaking, they were a top 10 or a top 12 team in a down year. So I think that Arenado is a really solid pick. I read an article this morning about him as a fade, and I understand it, but I have no reason to in round eight. I think that, that at that point, round seven, round eight, round nine, Arenado makes a lot of sense to fill out your team. Uh, Hassan Kim follows him up along with William Contreras, Xander Bogarts, Pete Fairbanks, and Zach Geloff in round eight. Round eight, Zach Geloff in a 12-teamer. That's way out of my price range. That's really expensive for him. Uh, Yandy Diaz, Jesus Lizardo, Tristan Cassis, Josh Young, and Brian Reynolds are the beginning of round nine. I'm up here at pick 906, which is 102 overall. need to continue to round out my infield. Looking at first base, Spencer Torkelson is interesting. ECR of 98. He's probably going to go somewhere in this range. I've got a very powerful team already. Uh, All four of my batters are 30-plus home run guys. And I've also got a pretty solid base of batting average. But I think the power is something I don't really need to be targeting at this point. I can go for more speed plus uh, batting average. And I think there's somebody who makes a lot of sense. And that's Josh Naylor, somebody who can steal double-digit bases, who hit over 300 last season. I think I can probably wait around on Josh Naylor, though. And if I'm looking around here, honestly, I... I kind of want to take a catcher, but it's a little bit too early to take a catcher still. I need to fill out some speed, and I need somebody who's probably a good lineup, like I said, a good batting average base. And I think that's where I get to Bryson Stott. I don't necessarily love taking him at 102. I think it's probably maybe a little bit early. But at the end of the day, he's a guy who's potentially a 30-steal guy. Again, he just did it last year. We got decent pop, good batting average, very good lineup lineup. And it's a position that I need. He's also a multi-eligible guy at second and short. And he is who I'm getting recommended here um, on the ECR out of the shortstops. Now, they're recommending Joe Ryan, Andres Munoz, Kyle Bradish. I'm not going to go that route. I am going to take Bryson Stott here in round nine and get my second baseman taken care of or shortstop. We'll see how the draft board looks. But as of right now, we're slotting him in at second base. After Bryson Stott, we got Ryan Presley, Yiner Diaz, who I was also looking at, Lane Thomas, Seiya Suzuki, Joe Ryan, and then Wyatt Langford at the end of round nine. Kyle Bradish, Spencer Torkelson, Masataka Yoshida, Andres Jimenez, Kaitel Marte, and Walker Bueller start off round ten, and I am up here at pick ten oh seven. Still need a catcher, first baseman, shortstop. I need my third outfielder, uh, and we need to start filling out some of those remaining pitching spots. In terms of SPs who are still on the board. At 115 right now, we have Justin Steele. Justin Steele is somebody who kind of broke out last year, but in all honesty, it kind of happened the year before. He was great over 100-plus innings, and then people were still kind of discounting him. He had a great year again this year where he could have been the Cy Young if it wasn't for two terrible starts in September. Um, He honestly could have won the Cy Young. And now, again, we're getting him past pick 100 I think he's really stable. I think the strikeouts are are better than people think. And I think the ratios are going to be a lot better than people think as well. I just think that he is not maybe somebody that should be your SP1 or 2. But as an SP3 here in a 12-teamer, I have no reason to avoid him in round 10 at pick uh, 115 overall. SP3 is a really good spot to have Justin Steele. So he is my guy here really 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 like that value that i got on him not a range where i really love uh in this particular format we're talking 12 teamers but i think that justin Steele is about as good of a pick in that range cole reagan's you could also argue for the upside there but i think the floor is generally where i'm going this year i'm trying to get those guys who is not gonna have the bottom fallout from under them and even if it's not an amazing season there is still going to be some redeeming qualities there with Cole Reagans. It could get really awful to the point where he's not even starting in the major league roster. Like it's, it could be to that extent. We've only got a very small sample size. We saw him really struggle with control down the stretch. I'm not totally sold on him. I think Steele's a great pick. Reagans is a little, little bit tricky there for me. Uh, SJ Ruiz, Cal Raleigh, George Springer, and Shane Baz round out the, uh, the end of round 10. Starting off round 11, Vinny Pasquantino, Josh Naylor, Paul Sewald, Jordan Walker, and Tanner Bybee. I wanted Naylor, waited a little bit long on him. That's okay. Looking around the board, if I do want batting average, I can go for Luis Rise and you know make him one of my later picks. I don't need to take him this round. I can probably take him in a round or two and be okay with that and still get a little bit of a bump if I do want to go that route. Also, in terms of batting average, honestly, a Gabriel Moreno in terms of batting average and speed, I think that's a really nice pairing. If I do go Moreno and a rise, you know, people are going to say, well, your power, your power. I got Arenado, Tucker, Alvarez, and Otani right there that, you know, 160 home runs, potentially 150 home runs between those four guys. So I'm not in such a desperate need, especially in a more shallow format for just those power guys. So honestly, I think Moreno is somebody that I'm going to take. I could go for another closer here and just really, truly wrap it up. But this is a head-to-head categories draft, so I don't know that I necessarily need a third one. Eh, I'm kind of talking myself into it, though. Like You don't necessarily need a third one, but you can lock yourself down with saves pretty much every week. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Ryan Helsley here, a third closer. um, Value pick, according to Fantasy Pros, we'll take it. Head-to-head is very random. You could have Josh Hader, Devin Williams, Edwin Diaz, and all the best closers just go a whole week without a save. And then you could have Kyle Finnegan save four games in a week. It's very random. So in head-to-head, I think three spots for relief pitchers is probably about as many as I would go. But you're really securing yourself, especially I've got three excellent relievers, Helsley, Iglesias, and Williams. It's going to be very hard for anybody to win saves against me on a given week. That's something that I've pretty much locked down with that selection. So after Helsley, it goes to Andres Munoz, Dylan Cease, Craig Kimbrell, Christian Encarnacion, Strand, Dansby Swanson, and J.D. Martinez. That finishes off round 11. Round 12, we got Edward Julian, Jordan Montgomery, Evan Phillips, Tanner Scott, Kenley Jansen, and Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander is a tricky one. I think in round 12, you can take a chance, but he's kind of a tricky one to actually hit the draft button on this year. Um, Now, some of those positions that I've waited a little bit on, like catcher. Um, I will go ahead and I will take Gabriel Moreno here, I think. I'm just going to double-check and make sure I'm not leaving any massive outfield values on the board. Not really. I'll go ahead and take Gabriel Moreno, even though it's maybe a little bit early. Lock that guy up that I want. He should be batting third. He's projected bat third, and they're calling it a reach. You know what? I don't care. He's projected about third in a lineup that just went to the World Series. You got him potentially unlocking his power like we saw in the postseason, and you're getting speed and batting average from your catcher. So I don't care if it's a bit of a reach. I'm totally fine with taking him where I did. Now, I still need a first baseman, a shortstop, an outfielder, a utility, and then a couple of pitchers before we start to fill out our bench spots. Starting pitchers right now, top of the board, we got Merrill Kelly, we got Gavin Williams, Shane Bieber, Chris Sale is an interesting one as well. All these guys are pretty interesting at this point. I don't think Merrill Kelly is going to necessarily repeat what he's done the last couple of years, but he's a good innings eater, and I think at this point as the SP40, you know, he's he's – Somebody I'm going to consider. I don't know that I'm going to take him in this round, but he's definitely somebody that I that I am going to be considering um, potentially for next round. Luis Arise, I think, is probably a decent pick here as well. Again, I, I've got my power pretty well sorted out. I'll take one or two guys to offset at the end and on my bench that are good power bats, but I'll take Luis Arise here, and I think that, honestly, I have a very, very well-balanced team. Should be a 320 bat in my lineup, and that is just golden uh, considering the way that the rest of the team is built. After him, it went to TJ Friedel, Tyro Estrada, who is also probably who I should have gone with, in all honesty, there. Um, Estrada's got such a high floor, in my opinion, for fantasy as well. He should be stealing a lot more this year. And I'm very much in on Estrada as well. Uh, Clay Holmes, Albert Alzale, Mitch Keller, and Max Muncie finish off round 13. Round 14, we got Gavin Williams, Jorge Soler, Merrill Kelly, Francisco Alvarez, Tommy Edmund, and Teosca Hernandez. So Merrill did not get back to me. That is unfortunate, but it's okay. I think I've got a very strong base of starting pitchers, and I can take a couple of guys now where maybe I do take a risk or two with Steele, Webb, and Peralta. Maybe I can go for like a Chris Sale and hope that he does put it together next year, Um, not even put it together, but just stay healthy more so than anything else. That's kind of the main concern with him there. Cedric Mullins is somebody that I think is interesting as well. He's fallen to 160 range at that point. I think it makes sense to fill out the outfield with a little bit of power and speed. Somebody that I think, you know, we did our Orioles preview last week with Ben Palmer. Go back and check that one out if you missed it. But I think that Cedric Mullins is somebody that we can maybe expect to move up the order throughout the year. I don't think that he's going to be slotted into the six or seven hole for the entirety of the season. He's somebody that I think does fit well as number one or a number two hitter in the lineup. So we're going to go with Cedric Mullins there and finish off our outfield. Again, I think we've done a really good job here of balancing out everything. Uh, we got good speed, especially offensively. We got some really high batting average floor guys. We got a lot of power, and we have a hell of a lot of speed at this point as well. Moreno's probably giving you like you know close to 10 steals, a couple from rise, and then you're looking at 20-plus from Stott, 30 or so from Tucker, 25-30 from Mullins. It's a really fast team, and I think it's a really balanced team as well where we haven't really left anything behind. Shortstop, I'm probably going to wait. I don't feel the need to take one right now. I also need to fill out the utility, and that's kind of the rest of the offense. Now we're into the mode of hammering pitching, and I need to start looking at who we have available on the pitching rankings. The number one guy left, and I mean, if you guys know me, if you followed along with me at all, you know I'm in on Hunter Brown this year, and I think at this point, 174 overall, it's a very good price to be paying for him. So I'll take my boy, I'll stay on brand, and I will take Hunter Brown here. I pick 174 I think that the organization is a huge part of it. I think the Houston, I just trust their player development as much or more than any other team. You also have to look at the fact that he outperformed, excuse me, did not perform up to what the ERA estimators and the periphery stats told us he should have probably done last year. Twenty-five years old still, you know. I think the development's going to really come along for Hunter Brown this year, and I've drafted him. You know, I don't even want to say how many times I've drafted him. Pretty much every single team I've done, real or mock, I'm taking Hunter Brown. Um, finishing off round 15 was Alec Bohm, Cabrian Hayes, Logan Ohoppy, Alex Lang, Marcelo Zuna, and Jordan Lawler. Starting off round 16, we got Bo Naylor, Ryan Pepio, Hugh Darvis, Chaz McCormick, Noel V. Marte, and Isak Paredes. I'm up at 16.07, which is 187 overall, and I think I'm going to continue to take pictures here probably. Let me just see what's going on with shortstop. Um, Trevor Story is probably a decent investment. You're pretty much just investing in the health because if he's out there, you know he's going to be able to return you know, positive ROI from pick 187. It's really a low pick for Trevor Story. He's a guy who was for a long time a first-round player. He's not that anymore, but I think at this point, as one of my last picks, I, I, I can feel pretty confident in Story, especially in the 12-team league. You can, And they're calling it a reach. That's okay. 100% chance would have been there on my next pick. You know what? That's okay. We're at the end of the draft. You don't have to follow ADP once you get to like around pick 200. If you have a guy that you really want to draft at that point, especially in the the, the shallower, the format, the closer you are to the end of it. You don't really need to worry so much about, oh, he's 235 ADP. I took him at 210. That's not really an area of concern. If you're doing that, you know, the guy's ADP is 55 and you took him at 20. That's where you have a concern, but not when it's uh, at this point of the draft um let's see i need one more utility i need one more pitcher for the starting roster and then i need to fill out the bench let's wait on the utility a little bit and let's see what we have in terms of our starting pitchers bryce miller nathan Ivaldi, aaron savali uh brian Bayo, brandon fought not a ton that i love i think nick Ladolo is really interesting i think nick Ladolo is somebody that you know we kind of forgot about because he didn't pitch much last year but he is somebody that should be able if he's healthy to succeed and despite the fact that he's in Cincinnati, we've seen that over the last two years that his supporting metrics are really, really strong, despite pitching in a terrible ballpark. He's not somebody that you'd expect necessarily. You don't really expect anybody to do well in Cincinnati, but I think everybody kind of focused in on Hunter Green left Dolo kind of behind in terms of their evaluations and, you know, in terms of their progression thinking that it was going to be Hunter Green and everybody else is kind of just whatever, but, Nick and you know you'll see that 629 ERA it was 34 innings it was 47 Ks in 34 innings and I think that he honestly just is going to get so much better so he's not getting taken right now because I don't need to take him but he'll probably be one of the guys I take with one of my last one or two picks so I'll take him a little bit later on in terms of the starters I don't really love who we have left at this point Uh, let me see And I say, you know, you don't need to worry about ADP at this point. You can still use it as a guide. You know, I see that Lodolo is not generally going until 250. I don't need to take him at 198. I can definitely wait at least one round, maybe two rounds, before I need to be taking him. Um, If I'm just looking at everybody that's available on the board here, James Outman is kind of interesting. As one of my – I put him in my utility spot, put him on my bench. I've drafted a lot of Outman, but I think that he's going to have a regular role in the Dodgers lineup, power, speed, combo – Batting average is not going to be the greatest, but a regular role in that lineup with good um, power and speed. I think I'll take Outman as my utility guy, and then and they're calling it a steal. They're calling it a steal, so we will take it. I think at this point, I'll probably go ahead and I'll take Lodolo. Um, because might as well we're only talking about the last five or six picks of the draft now we're pretty much just filling out our bench so i will reach and i'll take lodolo and i know they're not going to like it now oh, they didn't even give me grief for it that's obviously a bonus when they're not giving me grief the draft wizard technology um, but we're taking nick lodolo as our last quote unquote starter and now we're just filling out our bench now we're just looking for pieces that we think could potentially come into playing time or have good upside etc etc cetera. Et cetera. Mason Miller is somebody that is very interesting as either a starter or as a reliever. I'm not sure how they're going to use him. Somebody that I might use my last pick on because the upside is ridiculous. The projections love him. We saw him last year be really exciting. You know, he didn't last long because he got hurt. But Mason Miller, talent-wise, is so, so high up. I might take a chance on Giolito. He's still only a couple years removed from him being one of the best pitchers in baseball. Lucas Giolito has had a couple of rough ones, no question. But I think if you're just talking about like the last couple of picks, you're just filling out your roster. You could do a lot worse than a guy with massive strikeout upside as well, uh, who will likely get a little bit better, right? I don't think his true talent is a five ERA. He bounced around three teams last year. I believe he was getting. Uh, you know, this is a personal thing, but I think that he was got. Uh, he got divorced last year as well which is something that weighs on you. You know, different people go through things differently, but it's just another thing to to add into your evaluation that maybe he wasn't fully right last year going through stuff at home. All of that being said, I think I pick 222. You could do a lot worse than Lucas Giolito, given a fresh start. There's a 91% chance that Giolito would have been available two rounds from now. They're not happy with me. The draft wizard is starting to yell at me, but that's okay. Lucas Giolito, I, I don't have like you know, a lot invested in him. But I think that he will be quite a bit better this year than he was last year. Just looking at who we have available, Taylor Ward, Jared Kalanick, really good options. And this is why, you know, we're starting to do these 12-team leagues, shallower rosters. There are so many great options still available at the end of your drafts. Matt Chapman is somebody that I think is going to be on a lot of my teams because the price is so low before he is signed. It'll probably get to the point where he'll sign and he'll price, his price will jump up 20, 30, 40 picks. But at this point, you're getting 25 home run potential with probably, you know, 70 to 80 runs, 70, 80 RBI. And you're getting it like past pick 250 in a lot of drafts. I think as one of my bench pieces, I can be pretty happy taking Matt Chapman here. No problem at all. They're calling it a value pick. That is good. Now, I just need three more bench pieces at this point of the draft. The guys that are going off the board are Michael Garcia, Carlos Correa, Andrew Vaughn, Brandon Lau, Jose Siri, Justin Turner, Mitch Garver. Nothing nothing terribly special to write home about. I think Taylor Ward is where I'm going to go, though. He's somebody that I think started to break out last year before he got hurt in the second half. I mean, it started off rough. He started to pick it up, and then Alec Manoa hit him in the head with a pitch, and he had to miss the rest of the season. But Taylor Ward, a fully healthy Taylor Ward, we saw in 2022 what that can look like, and even for parts of last year. So as a bench piece, hoping it get, he gets right, I have no problem there in round 21 taking him. We're down to our last two picks. We are down to our last two picks. And you know what? Byron Buxton is still sitting there. I don't love Byron Buxton, but, you know, you take a chance with your last two picks that maybe, you know, he's able to spike a healthy season. And if Byron Buxton has a healthy season, he's a 30-plus home run guy. He started stealing more last year. I don't love it, but I'll take a chance with my second-to-last pick there. He's right at the top of the board. Didn't have to go searching for him too much. But I think as your, like, last round, last two rounds, he does make some sense this year. If he doesn't pan out, you drop him, and there's no real downside. If he pans out, then you're getting yourself probably a top 100 and, you know, worst 150 player, way lower than you probably normally would. Mason Miller is the guy that I'm going to take with the last selection, like I said here, and that is the draft. And there is my draft grade from Fantasy Pros. This is not influenced by me. My rankings are not up in here at this point, but there you have it. 91 out of 100 consensus of the 11 experts that are currently there. We'll just quickly go through my team, and we'll start at the top. Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, Shohei Otani, Devin Williams, Freddie Peralta, Logan Webb, Ryzel Iglesias, Nolan Arenado, Bryson Stott, Justin Steele, Ryan Helsley, Gabriel Moreno, Luisa Rise, Cedric Mullins, Hunter Brown, Trevor Story, James Outman, Nick Lodolo, Lucas Giolito, Matt Chapman, Taylor Ward, Byron Buxton, and Mason Miller. Those are my picks. That is my team. I think it's pretty damn good. I think honestly, you know, it's my own team. I'm going to be thinking it's pretty damn good one way or the other. But I think that that team is probably, you know, it's very balanced. If you look across the board, we have a lot of power at the top with Tucker and with Alvarez and Otani. We have some speed as well with Tucker and Otani, and we kept adding to that as well with Bryson Stott, with Moreno, with Trevor Story, with Cedric Mullins. We got a lot of speed. We have good batting average. The counting stats, you know, we got our lineup is based off of Astros and Dodgers at the top. So the counting stats are looking very good. We have Devin Williams, Rizella Glacius, and Ryan Helsley. We have three solidified closers. We should be looking at between them. Anywhere from 80 to 100 saves is probably what you're likely going to be getting. Strikeouts, I think, are very solid with Peralta, Webb, Steele, Hunter Brown, Lodolo, Giolito. Those are the big strike. The big strikeout guys are Peralta, Giolito, Hunter Brown, I think, can get there, and, and Nick Ladolo really. So strikeouts might be the one place where I'm kind of lacking behind, and I wonder what they say in terms of strikeouts. Projected ninth in terms of strikeouts, which is not great. My offense is definitely the strong suit, but I think in terms of saves, we're looking really good. ERA, we're also looking really good and those other categories like wins whip they're you, know, you you do what you can but there's a lot of randomness that goes along with whip as well if a, you know your ace has a 124 whip instead of that 107 or 110 whip they just happen to have a bad year it can kind of ruin everything that you have going on but i think overall we got a really balanced team here had some fun doing this i hope you guys enjoyed it if you're watching on youtube go over to the podcast side and check out the podcast if you're on the podcast side go check out the youtube and wherever you're listening, go and check us out over on Twitter. That's JoeOrico99, Ethos Fantasy BB for all of our new podcasts, articles, and every bit of baseball content. And, of course, SportsEthos.com, right from the source, you get everything there. we got some team previews scheduled for tomorrow. We're going to have Jeff Erickson, who is one of the founders of RotoWire, here again to talk some Cincinnati Reds. And we're also doing the Boston Red Sox with Eric Cross. You guys know both of them. Two people who are very well-known in the fantasy world. Two good friends. We're going to talk with them tomorrow. But until then, everybody, take care. Have a great night. Cheers.